Now, I don't know about you, but for me, there's, there's just something special about going out to eat or about having dinner at somebody's house. You know what I mean? You don't have to clean. You, you, you just get to time with friends. You get to relax. You don't have to shove everything in that one closet that you shove everything into when people are coming over. You know what I'm talking about. You go to somebody else's house. Now, 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 let's just be honest, right? You don't like to go to everybody's house to eat. Maybe the cooking, maybe it's too clean. Maybe it's too healthy, right? Or maybe their kids are at the big table, right? They bring that circus there. And if you're like, no, I don't have any friends like that. You're that friend. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. But hey, a lot of times, time with friends and family, a lot of time, either a big part of it or it's centered around food. It's around the table. And my favorite thing, I love to eat. I feel like eating for me is a spiritual gift, okay? I, I love it, right? But my favorite thing about sitting down and eating, whether it's at somebody's house or at my house or going out to eat, is the conversation around the table. You know, getting to ask people, what's going on in your life? What's good right now? What are you excited about? How's work? How are the kids? When's your next trip? What's going on with you? All of these topics, all of these talking points, they draw us closer together. We live life together around tables. Now, if you're looking for a great question for your next, for your next time out with friends, your next little dinner party, whatever, I love this question. If you could have dinner with anybody in history, who would it be? If you could have dinner with anybody in history, everybody has a different answer. Maybe it's an athlete, maybe it's a celebrity, maybe it's a, a president or somebody from history or somebody from the Bible. But hey, have you ever sat and thought about, have you ever imagined what it would be like to have dinner with Jesus? What would it be like to sit at the table with Jesus? Now listen, some of you guys are thinking, oh, he's, he's tricking me. He's going to try to convict me. But just before we talk about that, I mean, having dinner with Jesus would be off the chain. The food would be good. In the Old Testament, it says, eat of the fat and drink of the sweet, okay? That's why ribeye is the best cut of meat, all right? It's biblical, all right? In, in the New Testament, uh, the, the Pharisees, they called him a glutton and a drunkard. Okay, I'm telling you, Jesus was the life of the party. When Jesus would call people into ministry or when Jesus was, was witnessing to people, he would oftentimes go have dinner at their house. Jesus knew how to have a good time. But I wonder, what would Jesus want to chat about while we chowed down? Much of Jesus' life is recorded by some of his best friends, some of his followers. One of his friends is named John. John, he wrote one of the books of the Bible. And actually the book of the Bible that he wrote, the Gospel of John, it's 21 chapters long. But five of those 21 chapters are all around the last meal, the last supper that they had with Jesus. And I've just been praying on this last weekend before Easter. I was looking at the last meal he had before he was arrested and crucified. On this last weekend before Easter, what I want to do is I want to look back at the conversations that Jesus had with his followers. And I want to look, if Jesus was here, if Jesus sat with us, I want to look at how Jesus prepared his followers to go house to house. I want to think about if Jesus were to sit right here and he were to have dinner with you, what would Jesus have to say to you over that dinner, over that conversation? Let's pray 
and ask him to make that clear to us today. God, we love you so much. And we pray today that you really would, Jesus, you said that you're here with us. You said that you, lived the, you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. God, I pray that today we would be, it would be so clear our next step. It'd be so clear what you've called us to do and who you've called us to be. God, please, God, please, God, please move in power today. Move us and let us, let the world not be the same. I've been begging you, let this not just be a good service. Let this not be a good message or good worship, but make something happen today. Move every single one of us today where you've called us to go. God, we're desperate and we're expectant. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome all of our campuses, God Behind Bars, all the campuses across East Tennessee and online. We are so glad that you're here. Hey, guys, I can't, I can't just make it big enough. Easter is coming up, and I read a study this week that over 80% of people who are invited to an Easter service will come. So this week, let's serve, let's invite, and let's see what God does. We are in this series called House to House, and our House to House hope, what we're hoping happens with this series, is that we will go from God's house, and that will send us to the people's house that we are called to share the gospel with, and we will come back to God's house together from house to house. We will go from God's house to the house of the people that we're called to share the gospel with back to God's house together. Now, as I've been praying as I've been just digging in for what God wants to do, I've been really challenged with something recently. And what I want to ask you, I pray that you've been challenged this series as we talked about sharing our faith, as we've talked about the reality of hell. I pray that you have been challenged. But I just, I just want to let you in on something he's been challenging me with and see if it applies to you as well. Let me do it in the form of a question. Now, now, listen, this can make some people uncomfortable. Just sit in there, okay, because it'll get worse, all right? What if salvation is not the ultimate goal for your life? What if salvation is not the ultimate goal for your life? What if seeing God's kingdom come is the ultimate goal for your life? What if seeing God's kingdom come here on earth is the ultimate goal for your life? Now, hey, I'm not downplaying salvation, what I would say is salvation is the immediate goal, but bringing God's kingdom here on earth is the ultimate goal. Let me give it to you in an illustration, right? Some of you guys have went bowling, right? When you run out of everything else to do, you go bowling, right? And there's a line of arrows midway down the lane, and then there's the pins at the end. Those arrows midway down, those are the immediate goal. But the pins, knocking down the pins, are, is the ultimate goal. What I'll tell you, what I believe is that salvation is the immediate goal, but the ultimate goal, knocking the pins down in our relationship with God, is bringing the kingdom here on earth. Listen, why would the beginning of our relationship with God be the climax of it? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I believe that our relationship with God, that God has so much more for us, just like every other relationship that we have, but better. Like, think about it. If you're married, your wedding day is not the best day. It's just the beginning day. Same thing with your salvation. Your salvation isn't the best day. It's just the beginning day, and it should get better and better. Jesus talks about his kingdom a lot in his most famous teaching. 
It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the thesis, the point of that whole message is living for God's kingdom and not for this earthly kingdom. Two of my favorite passages in scripture are, are Matthew 10 and Luke 10. And in Matthew 10, he sends out the disciples. And in Luke 10, he sends out 72 people to go. And he tells them, hey, I want you to heal the sick. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cast out demons. But there's only one quote that he asked them to say. There's only one thing in quotes that Jesus gives them. And he tells them to say this, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven, hey, Jesus didn't go with them. Jesus sent them. And still when he sent them, he told them to say, the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is because after we start a relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we get to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. Now there's a crazy life attached to this truth that would, would send us to do things and to be things that we never dreamed that we could do. And this is what the devil doesn't want us to know. But I'm telling you, it would come up over dinner with Jesus. And I'm not just telling you that because I think it. I'm telling you that because I see it in Scripture. In Acts 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Now, after his suffering, that's after Jesus had died on the cross and raised from the dead, he presented himself and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of of God. That's what he talked about. It said on one occasion while they were eating, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. Listen, after Jesus is raised from the dead and he's spending time with his disciples, he's about to go be in heaven. And what is Jesus talking about? His kingdom. Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Listen, we all have that one friend that likes to talk about that one thing over and over again. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's maybe Tiger Woods is playing again, right? Oh, he's, he's about to come back, right? It's Tiger, Tiger's back, right? Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's shopping. We all have that one friend that likes to talk about one thing. Hey, Jesus is that friend, and he wants to talk about his kingdom. Jesus, listen, Jesus says he wants to talk about, hey, where are you bringing the kingdom? Hey, who are you bringing into the kingdom? We should bring the kingdom everywhere we go in our world, everywhere. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are to take this kingdom of God everywhere we go. Now, hey, listen, I know some parts of that verse they're hard. That part of that verse that says that, that, that you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that's a hard verse. And I don't have all the answers for that. Two weeks ago, I was in Asheville, and hey, I, I never get up here and preach about something to you that, I'm, that we're not trying to do. I promise. In Asheville, two weeks ago, we took my in-laws there uh, for their Christmas present uh, to see the tulips, which was awesome. All right, I love tulips. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're doing that, but we wanted to eat before we went to the Biltmore. And so we're, we're, we're about to go to brunch, but we, there's a 30-minute 30 30 wait. And if you've ever been to Asheville, you know, Asheville's, um, ah, you, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. A little granola, if you will, all right? And so I'm waiting to go, I love it, I love it, but it is, and you know it. So um, 
there's a 30-minute wait for brunch, so we go up the street to this candle shop. And uh, this candle shop, it's, you know, it's got all the vibes. And so the, the candle wax is also lotion, so I'm, I'm, I'm using more than I should. Okay, I'm really making a bit of a scene. The guy working there, we're joking back and forth. And I walk to the back, and there's just something changing in the back, in the back of the store. And it's because it's full of tarot cards. And there's a room for tarot readings and things like that. And I was just like, oh. So I just walked, turned right back around and went back to the guy. I didn't walk out of the store. I didn't throw a spiritual temper tantrum. I went to the guy and said, hey, what do you think about all that stuff? He said, what do you mean? I said, all, all the tarot cards and the readings, what do you think about that? And he said, well, you know, man, it really, it, it, it causes more questions for me than answers. And I just said, I saw an opportunity. So I said, hey, you know, man, for me, the, the thing that I've seen that provides the most clarity, the thing that answers the most questions for me is a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's, it's walk through the Bible, and, and not only the questions I have had, but the questions I continue to have, he has answers for them. And we talk for about 10 minutes. And I ask questions, and I answer his questions the best I know how, and I'm, 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 we're, we're just talking. For about 10 minutes we talk, but he doesn't give his life to Christ. I gave him an opportunity, and I, I invite him in that relationship. And, but, and the whole time, every time he's talking, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, tell me something. Holy Spirit, tell me something about his, his childhood, or, or tell me something I can pray for. But God, speak to me. Help me. I didn't hear anything. And, and, and he didn't give his life to Christ. I left him my cell phone number. I said, hey, man, if you have questions, brother, I'm here. I, I want to walk with you. But we left, and I turned the corner. I just told Rachel. I mean, this is, we can be honest with each other. I said, I feel like the Holy Spirit let me down. Why, why wouldn't he speak to me right there? And hey, I, I, you don't have to come to me in the lobby and make me feel better. Like, you know, but the, I tell you that because I want to see God move in power. I want God to say, hey, man, there's something wrong like with his left shoulder. Or hey, his dad walked out when he was four. And I want to bring these things up, not because I want to seem special. He'll never see me again. I want to bring something like that up so he didn't knows that Jesus is right there. Right there, I want to see somebody take some tarot cards and throw them out on the street because God moved in a radical way in their life. That's what I believe that we're called to do. That's what I believe God has called us to be. And so I just ask God to do that. So I understand there's parts about walking in power that may not make a lot of sense. But there is a part of that verse that makes complete sense. He says, you will be my witnesses. That's very clear. How do we know if we're his witnesses? We will know we're his witnesses, not if we're good little boys and good little girls. We will know we are his witnesses if people around us are coming to Jesus. Are people around you coming to Jesus? A witness tells somebody about something. A witness informs somebody. If we are witnesses of Jesus, the people around us will be coming to Jesus. And I believe that's where we'll see power. I believe a lot of us, myself included, aren't seeing as much power of God because we're living lives that don't need his power. But that's not who we're called to be. I've come to believe this. Your salvation is not the ultimate goal of your life. His kingdom coming is the ultimate goal of your life, the ultimate goal of my life. So what we're going to do in our time left today is I'm going to give you five ways that you can bring the kingdom of heaven this week leading up to Easter, five ways that you can walk in the kingdom, five ways that you can go house to house and see revival. Faith Promise at any of our campuses, do we want to see revival? Do we want to see God move? Do we want to see God restore families? I, I know that we do. And what's cool about this is we're actually going to look, we're going to take this content from the Last Supper with Jesus, from John 13 through 17. That's what we're going to look at. And hey, God asked some important questions. There's important questions that happen over dinner, right? 
I remember sitting down with Rachel's dad and asking for her hand in marriage over dinner at IHOP because I'm classy. That's <laughs> who I am. I believe if we look at John 13, uh, we will see Jesus, and I just want to act like Jesus is going to sit here. Jesus would ask us to serve. See, in John 13, all the disciples, none of them got down to wash the feet. Before you sat down at dinner, because it wasn't like this, at dinner they were laid down. People's feet would be in people's faces, and all the disciples were too proud to wash each other's feet. So what did Jesus do? If I was Jesus, I would have looked at Judas and said, hey boy, I know what you're about to do. You wash my feet. Now Jesus, Jesus took off the robes of a rabbi, put on a towel, and washed their feet. Hey, at the end of the week, at the end of the day, when you look at the towel of your life, is that thing still clean? Does it have any feet prints on it? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We serve people to the kingdom of God. We don't argue them there. We don't Facebook post them there. We serve them there. Our greatest honor is to serve. We put others before ourselves. Serving shows people the kingdom of heaven. I believe if Jesus were to sit right here, sit with us individually, he would look at us and he would say, are you willing to serve this week? Will you serve this week? Hey, maybe you say, Zach, I'm not ready to share my faith. I'm not ready to pray for healing. I don't believe that's true. I, I, I think you are ready. But here's what I will tell you is I believe you can serve. You know what else Jesus did in John 14? Jesus would encourage people. Jesus would, I'm actually gonna have uh, another pastor come out and help me with this. One of my favorite pastors is gonna come help me. But um, uh, Jesus would encourage people. See, in John 14, all the disciples were bummed out. Maybe he's coming, maybe he's not. We'll see if he comes. Um, but in, in John 14, the disciples were bummed out because Jesus said he was gonna die. And they didn't want Jesus to die. They wanted Jesus to kick the Romans' butts. That's what they wanted because they were being oppressed by the Romans. Hey, Bubba man, how are you? Good, good, good. So, so Jesus would offer supernatural solutions to natural problems. What's your name, Bubba? River. River. River's my son. Hey, hey, but yeah, yeah. Hey, but did you break your arm? Yeah. How'd you break it? At the park. At the park? Well, hey, you, you brought a supernatural solution to a natural problem, and I want to tell everybody about it, but something that will help it make sense. Um, what are the values of our house? When the world discover our purpose. What was it again, Dad? <laughs> who, who do we love? God and people. That's right. So we win the world, discover our purpose, love God, and love people. And you won the world just recently, didn't you? Yeah. Okay, so what's your word for the year? Brave. Brave. And when you were getting your cast at the doctor, you they were telling you how brave you were, weren't they? Yeah. And I think one of the nurses said that you were brave, and then you asked her a question. What did you ask her? Do you know why I'm so brave? So you asked her, do you know why I'm so brave? You, that, that's what you asked her? Oh. Yeah. Sorry, it's my fault. <laughs> what was I thinking? So you asked her that, and then um, she, she said, why are you so brave? What did you say? 
You remember, you remember your, your, your verse for the year? That's what you said. What did you tell her? Did you tell her Jesus overcame the world? Yeah. Yeah. You told her Jesus overcame the world? And when you did that, when you told her that Jesus overcame the world, what would she say? She needed that. That she needed that. And hey, buddy, when you did that, you took a natural situation and you brought a supernatural solution. Hey, Bubba, I'm so proud of you. Do you believe that these people at all of our camps said that they can win the world this week? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you. Every service, it's different. <laughs> but hey, I, just to be transparent, uh, when we went to the doctor before with River and we were there, Rachel and I missed the opportunity to share our faith. And so actually the reason that happened is because we're driving home at 1130, I'm holding River and we're talking and Rachel and I were like, we missed the chance to share our faith. And we were like, hey, we're committed when we go back to sharing our faith. And then River was the one that got to do it. And hey, we're not perfect parents. I promise that we're not. But I can tell you that at least we're trying to teach our kids and to model for our kids that we share our faith. River had a natural problem in his broken arm, but brought a supernatural solution in that Jesus overcame the world. I read this quote recently. Amy, you give God some praise. It's awesome. It's awesome. I read this quote this week that I think is really special. And it says, the earth is as close to hell as, if you're a Christian, earth is as close to hell as I'm ever gonna get. And hey, that's some good Baptist preaching, isn't it? Earth is as close to hell as I'm ever gonna get. But the, the opposite's also true. If you don't know Jesus, earth is as close to heaven as you're ever gonna get. And I believe that we need to bring some supernatural solutions to that problem this week. That's why we have these house-to-house -house cards. That's why we're gonna put them in these chests at the cross as we beg God to move this week. I believe if Jesus sat down with us over a meal, he would say, can you bring the kingdom solution this week? Can you bring kingdom solutions this week? Hey, don't be afraid of being churchy. I promise you there's worse things to be than being churchy, like worldly. I think we've tried our hand at that and see where it's gotten our world. In chapter 15, you know what Jesus would ask us? Jesus would ask us to be useful. In chapter 15, it talks about the vine and the branches, and we're supposed to be connected to Jesus and bear fruit. Listen, you have a purpose. Well, I need you to believe that you have a purpose that Jesus gave you and step out in it. One of my favorite things happening in our church right now is Next Steps. Last week, there were over 100 people at Next Steps. And this week, as Sunday night at 6 at all of our campuses, we're going to do a spiritual gift assessment, a leadership assessment. We're going to discover our purpose. And then we're going to be sent out. I really do believe if God were to sit here, he would ask. He would ask for you to ask him his purpose for every day and obey. He would ask, can you ask for my purpose for the day and obey? In the next chapter, in chapter 16, and, and listen, I know this may make some people uncomfortable, but just, just hang in there with me. In chapter 16, Jesus would ask us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can read that in, in, in John 16, and maybe you're thinking, hey, people filled with the Holy Spirit are weird. Those people were weird before. That's just part of who they are, okay? That's okay. All right? But hey, we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. 
Here's a question that I got asked a couple years ago, and I still think about it. I was talking to Robert to Bruce about being spirit-led in my own life, and he asked me this. He said, Zach, is there anything the Holy Spirit's asked you to do that you haven't done? Forgive somebody. Witness to somebody. Pray for somebody. Just pursue somebody. Hey, why would Jesus give us seconds if we haven't been obedient with the first? I pray that we're hungry for the kingdom of God. We are to be spirit-filled leaders. Listen, I think that Jesus would ask, he would ask us, can we ask the Holy Spirit to lead our life, our love, and our longing? Jesus would ask us, let the Holy Spirit lead your life, your love, and your longing. You're not in control. God's in control because we're supposed to bring the kingdom. One of the last things I believe that Jesus would bring up is Jesus would ask us to pray. We're to be people of prayer. A lot of time there's this thought, well, we've tried everything else. I guess all there is to do now is pray. I guess all we can do now. No, prayer is the first resource, not the last, not the last response, not the last ditch effort. Prayer is where we start. We are to pray first, and we are to pray continually. I really do believe if Jesus were to sit down with us, he would say, hey, this week, every day, can you pray for my kingdom to come and my will to be done? Zach, are you just guessing that? No, in Matthew 6, when he taught us how to pray, he told us to pray that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. In our prayer time, we're supposed to reach up and pull heaven down. In this, we're supposed to live heaven out everywhere that we go. That's who we're called to be. Whenever Jesus prayed in John 17, let me read you something that he prayed in John 17, uh, chapter 17, starting in verse 13. He said, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world. Some of us are asking, oh God, take my problems away. Oh God, move me out of this situation. No. There's hope, need in that situation, and you're it. Jesus did not say take them out of the world. He said, yet protect them from the evil one. We need protection from the evil one because we're taking his ground back. Hey, it said, hey, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. Listen how Jesus compares our ministry with his. He says, sanctify them by the truth of your word. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. He has sent us into the world. Why, if we are not of the world, would he leave us in the world? He left us in the world, but not of the world, so that we could bring his kingdom into this world. Amen, faith promise. That's why, that's our purpose. And this way of life is not an obligation, it's a celebration. It's the greatest honor we've ever been given, more than being a husband, more than being a father, more than being a pastor. My greatest honor is to bring his kingdom where I go. You've heard it said that, hey, something is only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Some of you guys live in a one-bedroom apartment that's worth $500,000 now because the housing market's crazy. Because people want to pay crazy. Well, hey, God thought that you being a part of his kingdom, you being a part of his family, was so worth it that Jesus gave his life for it. And hey, you know this? Think about this. this and then we're going to respond. You know that right now in America, there's $15 billion worth of gift cards just out there that haven't been spent yet. $15 billion. And at the end of every year, $3 billion worth of gift cards expire. They never get used. You've done it, I've done it. And I have this growing fear 
this growing concern that men and women of God, that their gift is expiring. It's being left in the purse, it's being left in, in your drawers, being left in your wallet, in your glove box. It's not being used. Your gift after salvation is to bring the kingdom of heaven where you go. See people healed, see people saved, see people restored. You, you, Monday through Friday, not just something to talk about on Sunday. So we're gonna respond. Maybe you need to come up and light a candle. And when you light that candle, what I want you to do is I want you to pray that God would make you a light to the world, Matthew 5.14. Maybe you need to take communion. You need to look at that cracker and be reminded that Jesus broke his body and that juice, he spilled his blood so that we could have a relationship with him. But that was only the beginning day, not the best day. So that we could bring that gift, that celebration to the world. And something else we're gonna do in this response time is we're gonna write a name on these house to house cards. And you're gonna bring it to the foot of the cross around the campuses and there at the, there's a treasure chest and you're gonna put it in that treasure chest because the scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And God's heart is in the names of these people who don't know Jesus yet. The staff is gonna pray, we're gonna weep, we're gonna beg God to move, but can I just be honest? We're gonna ask him to move through you. We're gonna ask him to put power and boldness in you that you would invite, that you would share, that you would pray. So let's not be the same today. Let's move today. Let's ask God, just move us. There may be some fear, there may be some anxiety. Can I just tell you? He's bigger. He will meet you there. He will never bring you to something he won't bring you through. So let's me pray and let's respond. God, we love you so much. I pray today as people light a candle and there, there would be a fire started in them like Jeremiah, a fire in their bones that can't be quenched. I pray as we take communion that we would be shocked and reminded like even more than the first time that Jesus, you died on the cross for us so we can have a relationship and not just a relationship, but a purpose to build your kingdom. I pray that as we take these cards, God, and as we write them on there, we would send a message to heaven and a message to hell that these people belong to you, that we would loosen on heaven salvation and freedom and restoration for these people. And what a great, what a, what a better way to celebrate Easter than to go and share the faith of Jesus Christ. Let this not be a service. Let this not just be worship. Let this be a response. Let this be a declaration. Let this be a stake in the ground where no more, devil, will you take the ground of our schools and the ground of our neighborhoods and the ground of our families, but God's people will step up. Wake up, O sleeper, and bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, into every dark corner of this world. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, move us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Whenever you're ready, let's respond.